Hey friends, so this is a different sort of episode I have for you today. It's not a tutorial or a how-to or the topics I usually cover. Uh, it's actually a little bit more related to what we chatted about on a previous episode a few weeks ago about opting out of systems. So I shared in that episode uh, the four systems that Christian and I have opted out of that has really changed our life massively over the last 15 years. And we had an experience a little over a week ago that was pretty interesting and it kind of underscored some of the things that I talked about in that season and gave Christian and I a chance to explore a system that we really hadn't thought we could opt out of prior. So um, anyway, I just want to share that story with you. And I think there'll be pieces of this that you can take and apply to where you are right now, whether you're looking at you know, how can I grow more, more of my own food or how can I opt out of traditional education or traditional employment systems? And uh, yeah, so here we go. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Okay, so it all started a couple weeks ago. Well, before that, I'd been planning on going to the Homesteaders of America conference for quite a few months since the beginning of the year. So I knew this trip was coming. I went in 2019 for the first time. It was a great event and they didn't have it in 2020. So I was excited to be asked back to speak this year. Um, so this conference is in Front Royal, Virginia. So that's quite a, a long ways away from us here in Wyoming, the other end of the world, basically. And so I, obviously we, we're going to fly. We always fly when we're going that far away. And I had a plane tickets booked uh, a little bit in advance. I'm not great with like super far out booking because I just know there's too many variables to have things locked in like six months out. But I, I think it was like a month and a half before the trip. I got our ticket spot and Christian had planned to go with me and our oldest Mesa. We tried to take her this time because we took our son last time just so they could have a little one-on-one -on -one time. So anyway, we were getting ready. We were doing all the things for us to leave on vacation, which is no small feat. People ask, how do you do it? How do you go on vacation as a homesteader? And I don't know, it's hard. <laughs> Not just the homesteading, but the homeschooling and the home business and all of the things we have going. It it takes a village basically for us to leave. We had my mother-in-law staying here with our other two children. We had our hired man keeping things going and helping with feeding and chores. We had our manager and our employees at the soda fountain handling that. So like there was a whole team of people here at home keeping things running for us totally is off topic, has nothing to do with this episode, but I just wanted to tell you that since we're talking about leaving. But anyway, so we flew out on a Wednesday. My pre-conference workshop was a Thursday, and then the rest of the conference started after that. And before we, you know, got on the plane as we were getting ready and packing, I just was really dreading flying. I'm not scared of flying. I've, I've flown a lot when we were doing a lot of doTERRA stuff. We were traveling constantly all over the world. So any anxiety I had in the past over air travel was gone. Like I'm very used to it. I can navigate airports in my sleep, but I just was really dreading this trip. And it has a lot to do with that idea of opting out of systems. And 
you know, as I've shared in a previous episode, we've opted out of a lot of systems in our lives, but naturally flying or public transportation in this avenue is somewhere that we're still participating in, um, like most other people, because I, you know, we kind of told ourselves, well, obviously we can't drive from Wyoming to Virginia. Like no one does that. That's ridiculous. And so we just didn't even explore that possibility. And we kind of didn't really pay attention to those feelings we were having of like, eh, not really digging this whole um, decision to fly. And we did it anyway. So it was fine the trip out. Um, it was just typical air travel. We left our house at 6 a.m. We didn't get into our Airbnb in Virginia till 8 p.m. You know, when you combine us driving to the airport, getting to the airport early, then um, getting our rental car and driving to the airport, just like, it just takes so long. Like, I know it's not as long as covered wagon days, but it's still a full day of travel most of the time when we go somewhere. So when we got to the Airbnb, Christian and I both were just kind of grumpy and we had felt out of power the whole day. So let me explain what I mean by when I, what I, when I say out of power, because I realize that could be taken a lot of um, different ways. I'm not talking about on grid or off grid, totally not related to that. But when Christian and I, we, we use this term a lot when we're talking about making a decision or doing a thing or not doing a thing. And, and he'll say to me, or I'll say to him, does this decision put you in power? And it's not necessarily, I'm not talking about control freak. I'm not talking about micromanaging. I'm talking about that feeling you get when you're doing something that you know is the right choice for you and you are taking responsibility and you're managing things properly and you are in control, not in a control freak sort of way, but you are actively participating in your life in a way that you know is good for you. That is when you're in power. That's the best way I know how to describe it. And when I'm out of power, it's when I'm reactive in that, you know, a reactive mode, or I'm in more of that um, victim me mode, or, oh, I have to do this thing because this person wants me to, and I don't want to do it, but I'm doing it anyway, because I don't have the guts to say no. You know, that kind of is like out of power. When I'm, when I'm in that mode, I just don't feel as good. And so I kind of just had this weird feeling the whole day on the flight, because it was literally a whole day by the time we got into all the airports and out of all the airports, I just felt weird. And I was trying to kind of verbalize it to Christian because he was feeling it too. But it was just like, you know, it was just hard to sort through. Um, and it wasn't until I got to the conference and was talking with some friends and they said, you know, the last time I flew, I don't know if you can hear the scratching sound. My giant dog is trying to find a place to lay down and he's scratching at every surface in the office. And I'm sorry if it's loud. <laughs> anyway, um, I try my best to have a quiet podcast studio, but sometimes it doesn't work. Anyway, I was talking to this friend at the conference and he said, you know, last time I flew, I just felt disappointed in myself. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I felt. Like I felt all day in the airport. I felt disappointed with myself. You know, I got in, I felt exhausted from the travel. I had a sore throat and a headache from the mask that I wore all day long. Um, and I'm not going to get into mask or no mask. That's, a, you know, whatever. People can wear masks if they want. I'm not a fan. I don't think there's much science to support the efficacy of masks. Um, but that you, if you choose to wear one, that's fine. But like, I just felt disappointed in myself and I'm not saying that anyone else should feel disappointed in themselves for flying or anything else. I'm not, this is not a, uh, commentary on whether flying is good or bad. It's not. It's just, I'm saying for me personally, for Joe Winger, I felt out of power and disappointed in myself for participating in that system that I knew really wasn't fitting us anymore. And Christian felt the same way. And 
you know, that's this is the tricky point we come to often when we are talking about systems and systems that have been in place for a long time and systems that we all use and systems we all assume are the way things are, right? I think that's that phrase, the way, this is just the way things are, is what lulls so many of us to sleep. Um, but, you know, when you participate in those systems, you basically, you agree to comply, right? Because that's the price you pay for being a part of that system. Um, and so you, you know, if you're going on an airplane, you give up all your sharp objects and you don't take your fingernail clippers and you take off your shoes going through security and you, now you get, you get to wear a mask for the whole darn day. That's the price of the convenience of participating in this system. Again, I'm going to say it one more time because I do not, I'm not interested in emails about this. I am not saying flying is wrong. I am not saying flying is evil. I am not saying you shouldn't fly. I'm not saying I will never not fly again. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying that this is just a system. It's another societal system that there are prices to pay and things you trade and things you give up to be a part of that system. And for whatever reason, this trip, I was feeling like that system wasn't in alignment with us anymore. Okay. So I hope you all understand what I'm trying to say, but I'll move on and I hope I will avoid some emails. But anyway, so we kind of brushed that off. We um, put that behind us. We had a great time at the conference got to meet a ton of people. It was so crowded in a good way. Like there was more people at that conference than there was in the previous year by far. It was unreal. The amount of excitement that was there, people wild-eyed, ready to learn about all of these homestead topics. And I heard so many people say, you know, I want to move out of the city. I want to grow my own food. I want to figure out how to be self-sufficient and make an income for my land. Like it's, it's exciting to see such a movement toward that. So we had a great time at the conference. And um, so we were slated to fly out Sunday because the conference got done on Saturday and we were getting ready to fly out on Sunday. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like a whole day, all day Saturday, all I could think about was like, oh, I have to fly tomorrow. Oh, I just want to get this over with. I just want to get this over with. And Christian and I, as we were getting off the flight into Virginia, we were walking to get our bags. And Christian's like, we both kind of came to this conclusion at the same time. Uh, we're like, we're done. This is the last time we want to fly for a while. We just, just doesn't feel good for us. It just is, is not a fit for us. It doesn't feel right. So we had kind of already come to the conclusion that this would be our last flight for a while. Um, but we just knew we had, obviously we had our plane tickets bought. We were going to go home and just brush this off and, and move forward. So we drive our rental car from Front Royal to Washington, DC, because we flew out of the Dulles airport and you know, do the whole rental car thing. That's such a pain. Somebody, somebody should figure out an easier way to do rental cars because I just find them so cumbersome. But anyway, <laughs> we get to the airport with a shuttle, blah, blah, blah. It's weird because I'm like, this is a big airport, but there's like no one there. It felt like a ghost town. I'm like, well, you know, that happens sometimes. Sometimes you just hit those weird times of a day when there's not a lot of people in the airport. So we walk over to the Southwest counter. There's no one there. I'm like, well, we're a little early, but not that early, but okay. Maybe we just missed the rush. And we walk up to the ticket agent and she's like, um, are you on the four o'clock flight? And I'm like, no, I'm on the two o'clock flight. And she's like, well, it's canceled, obviously. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? She's like, it's canceled. And she was just very matter of fact that I felt like, um, what did I miss here? Like, I had, like, I had no idea because I had um, checked in on my flight the night before. I had no warnings. I had no text messages. I had no emails or anything. I had no idea it was canceled. And so, you know, I was stuttering and kind of like, well, so now what? And she's like, well, I can't get you out until Tuesday. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, it's Sunday, Sunday morning, basically. And she's like, I can't get you out till Tuesday. And I'm like, that will not work. 
I, we will need to find another option. And she's like, well, I can't help you. You need to go find another airline. So I, um, walked very fast. turns out when I'm high on adrenaline and a little bit of righteous anger, (laughs) I can walk very fast and with purpose. I think uh, I probably looked very mean and scary, but I walked all over the ticket counters to every single airline and asked if they could get us out that day, like later that day, or even as, as I started to lose hope for that day, I started to go, what about Monday, the following day? And like, there was nothing, like nothing. Um, like there was a, I think Delta had a flight out that evening with one seat, but I needed three seats because I had Mesa and Christian with me. And so I was just like sitting there going, I, I don't know what to do. Like it's the most, it was the most helpless. It was just a weird feeling because this airport was like empty and everyone's like, yeah, we can't get you home. Sorry. And we even tried to see if we could fly into Salt Lake. Salt Lake is like seven hours away from us. But we were like, well, what if we flew into Salt Lake and then we'd have to rent a car and drive seven hours home? We were just like trying to figure out all the things. And there was nothing other than flying out Tuesday or Wednesday. And so um, we talked to everybody and like, I had this thought, I'm like, what if you drive home? And I was like, surely not. And I kind of pushed it away. And then it came out of like, what if you drive home? And then, so we had, we were back over, I think it was, um, I think it was at the Delta counter. The lady there was really helpful, even though we hadn't originally booked a Delta flight, she was trying to help us figure out options. And finally we realized there was no options. There was no way for us to get home within like within less than 48 hours. And just, I'm, I'm sorry, but sitting in DC for two days doesn't just didn't sound, it wasn't something I wanted to do at that point in time. I had animals and things to deal with at home. And, um, our, my mother-in-law was, was gracious enough to be fine staying with the kids a little extra, but still like, I couldn't just put her out for another four days. And so Christian said, he said, as I was almost getting ready to have the words come out of my mouth, he said, we're driving then. And the ticket counter lady was like, what? You can't do that. And we're like, oh, oh yes, we can. (laughs) Oh yes, we can. And he's like, that's fine. Off we go. We're going to go get a rental car. And we turned around with our bags and walked away. And we told her thank you because she was actually really helpful. So we did tell her thank you. We weren't being rude. Turned around, walked away. And instantly I felt better. Like instantly. And Christian's like, I felt like my shoulders, like they were kind of slumped before. They were, my shoulders went back and Christian shoulders were up and we were walking with purpose. And we both, I felt like a weight had lifted off, off of us, even though we had just basically committed to a 1500 mile road trip last minute. But even though we knew what was coming was hard and we knew that it was going to take some sacrifice, some time and some, you know, a little extra money. We had to go buy or rent a, uh, a car again and all that. We instantly felt in power because we were taking responsibility for our situation versus sitting at the airport at the mercy of the system. Because I had that feeling for whatever, 15 minutes, the 15 minutes it took for me to figure out there were no flights in the whole universe to get us home to Denver. And that feeling of being at the mercy of the system, I freaking hate that feeling, guys. I hate it. I even hate it in that small scenario. I cannot hack it. I cannot handle it. (laughs) So as soon as I took, we took that power back and said, we're going to do the hard thing, but it's going to put us in power and we're going to have, take charge. It felt so much better. It felt so much better. And so we, I got out my laptop. I hooked up my hotspot. I went on the first like three rental car places I found were all sold out. So that was a little scary. And I'm like, oh crap, what are we going to do if there are no rental cars? But finally I found uh, a car 
And we marched ourselves back over to the rental car place. And the guy was like, what are you doing? Why are you back? And so we're like, we're driving to Denver. And he's like, no, you're not. And we're like, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Got our car, got on the road. Um, and we drove, we drove, I think it's close to 1500 miles. Um, we got to Indiana the first night. So let's see. So we left DC around noon on Sunday and we got to Indiana that evening, about nine o'clock. We, I really initially was tempted to drive all the way through, but I was so tired from the conference and Christian was tired and we're like, you know what, let's just get a hotel. So we had a quick night's sleep, got on the road. We got into Denver cause our car was parked at the airport in Denver. We got into Denver about 1130 PM and then drove on home and got back to Wyoming at around 1.30 a.m. on, well, I guess it would be Monday, well, Monday night slash Tuesday early, early. So it was an adventure. We saw a lot of country. I have never driven across the U.S. like that. So that was pretty cool. A lot of pretty places, a lot of pretty places back east. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. And it just reminded me that that step we take, anytime we take a step towards personal responsibility for our situations, that's powerful. And Christian, I had a lot of time to talk about this (laughs) on the drive, but we decided like for the time being, I'm not saying this is forever and always, but for the time being, we're going to opt out of flying for a while. Um, and we'll just drive. And we realized, you know, this cross country road trip last minute took out a lot of that trepidation and fear around, not even fear, just like, oh, it can't be done around driving cross country for an event like this. It takes more time. It's a little more inconvenient, but it felt so much better. So I just wanted to share that story with you. Again, please hear me. This isn't about you not flying or if you should fly or shouldn't fly. That's not what this is about. This is just about that choice we made and the process we went through that I think that I know a lot of you can identify with, with where you're at in your journeys towards homesteading or entrepreneurship or getting out of debt or maybe going towards homeschooling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just that process that's, that's, that's pretty cool to see it take shape in myself. And I know that will apply to you guys as well. You know, most of the time when, you know, I feel like when we talk about opting out of systems, sometimes it's about wanting more control. But I think for Christian and I, it's about this idea of not being dependent on someone else. And that I believe is becoming a rarer and rarer trait in a lot of humans in this day and age, because there's this idea, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not, that when you give up some of those freedoms and some of those rights to someone else, in exchange for them taking care of you, right? Then, then that means that you have less risk, more safety. And and I just, I, I actually prefer the opposite. I prefer the um, higher amount of risk, right? A little bit more risk for a little more autonomy and a little more freedom. So sometimes you have to be willing to do the harder thing to make those changes though. And I feel like that's probably where many of you are in your journey um, talking to so many folks at the Homesteaders of America conference, you know, they're right on the verge of many of these choices, right on the verge of like, I'm done with the public school system. I'm ready to homeschool, but you're not quite ready to take that leap, right? You're still standing in the airport going, 
nobody in their right mind drives across the country last minute. This can't be done, right? A lot of you are right at that step with maybe buying the homestead or starting the business or leaving your current place of work that does, that no longer serves you and finding something else to do. You're at that spot where you're like, not sure if it's even possible, but I just want to encourage you. It is possible. And it starts with that what if question that we talked about. I think it was, was it the last episode? With the food, I can't remember. It was a, it was one of the more current episodes where I said, one of the most powerful questions I've ever asked myself is, what if? What if this wasn't as impossible as I thought? What if, you know, just jumping in a car and driving home to Wyoming from D.C. is way more doable than um, I told myself it was? What if homeschooling is within my reach for my kids, even though, you know, at first glance it seems like quite the leap and maybe it is, but what if it's doable? And so I think the more you can sit with that what if question, it often starts off as a whisper, right? It's going to start start off real faint and you're going to be like, this idea is going to pop into your head and you're going to be like, oh, heck no. Like that's not, uh, I'm not going there. No way. Like that was the first thought when I thought, you know, driving back home, I like that popped into my head and I'm like, uh, uh-uh, no, get, no, <laughs> not doing that. I'm not interested. But that voice, that whisper became a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And then after a little while, you you take that little whisper out and you dance with it a little bit and you kind of see how it feels. You try it on for size. And that, for me at least, is when things get really exciting. And the more that you're willing to do that, the braver you'll become. And the more risks that you take, sometimes they start off as little baby steps, um, little decisions, right? I'm not going to um, buy regular milk anymore. I'm going to go get goat milk for my neighbor, right? That, when you first do that, for a lot of folks, that feels really out there and out of the box and risky. But the more you do it, the easier it gets, and then you get braver to try other things. So that's all I got for you guys. That was That's our story. We're home now. We made it home before uh, a little October blizzard came through and the roads got bad, so I was really thankful for that. And everything at home was fine. Thankfully, everyone here kept things running for us. And so um, nothing was worse off for us being gone an extra two days, and we got to see the amazing United States and all its glory is a part of the process. But um, it was a good reminder for both Christian and I to listen to your gut and to make those choices that keep yourself in that best frame of personal responsibility that you can. And it's not always easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And I'm not saying it's going to be always the path of least resistance. It's, in fact, it won't be. It will never be the path of least resistance. And it won't always be the smooth sailing. But it's a really good thing. Good things happen. So that's, that is my story for you today. And I invite you to ask yourself, what does it take to keep you in power in any aspect of your life that you are struggling in or working around right now? What does it take to make you feel that sense of confidence and that you know, this is the right path for you, even if it's hard and think back to those times because your body will tell you Like there was such a visceral response with Christian and I when we made the choice to drive. Like I knew that was right for us. Like I had so much confidence. Like I was texting my mom and my sister to be like, well, we're driving home. (laughs) And my sister goes, her her first question was, uh, how are you feeling right now? Because she knows that I tend to like plans to not change. I tend to like consistency. And I'm sure she's going, oh my gosh, Jill is probably having a meltdown right now. Cause in in other situations I probably would have, but you know, my response to her was, I feel great. Yeah. It's going to be a long drive, but I feel so good. Um, because I could feel that choice being right in my own body. So 
I know all of you have those same opportunities where you can listen to your gut and feel that. I would invite you to start paying a little bit more attention. And uh, in the meantime, as you're working on all those things and answering all those questions, I would love to invite you to be a part of a new newsletter I have started. And it's um, a little different than my normal newsletter. I'll still be doing that and sending out homesteading content. But for those of you who are exploring what it means to opt out of systems and take higher levels of personal responsibility for your health and your income and your uh, kids' education and your food, I have this special newsletter and it's free and I'm going to be sending stuff out. Not a ton. I'm not going to spam you. But when I have different resources and thoughts around these topics, I'll send them your way. You can join over at theprairiehomestead.com slash freethinker, all one word. And I'll put that down in the show notes. Um, a whole bunch of you joined already and I'll be sending you out some stuff here in the next little bit for you to think on and some resources. So that's it, friends. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that story was helpful and got you thinking. And we will talk again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Thank you.